0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times, and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. You know, we've got a series that we're going to talk about. It's called Christmas Unwrap. Before we do that, you know, I just want to just bring a little bit of encouragement to us as a church. Just bring a little bit of a pastor's heart, what I feel like God might be speaking to us uh, right at this occasion. followers of Jesus Christ, can I just encourage us in this next... Can we be leaning in to what God is wanting to do? Can we be leaning in to maybe what God is wanting to lead us as we go forward? And this has been a crazy year, crazy season of eight months of kind of having to do church online. That, But can I just say, let's not stay so transfixed on the last eight months that we miss all that God and His Holy Spirit might be wanting to do is wanting to do in our lives, in our church in our f- right now at this time. Like I don't want to be talking about code forever because there's so much more that God is wanting to stir up in our hearts, in our faith to what He wants to do in us and through us and his church at this- I'm so reminded of the Apostle Paul. And he says this to the church in Philippi. He says in in Philippians 3.13, we all know it. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. Made it my own. I do not consider I've made it. Who here can, I don't consider I've made it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of what? call of God in Christ This is a guy who has done it. He's done so much. He's done stuff in his past before he had an encounter with Christ and some of those things maybe he was ashamed of in his past, some wrongs. He's done some things since then, planted churches. Middle East is part of the reason why we are Christians here today along with the Holy Spirit obviously upon his life. But he's done so much good. But Paul says... What does he say? It's nothing. I forget it all. It's in the past. I focus on what lies ahead, the call of God. The call of God. That's what he is focusing on. See, being a Christian isn't just about attending church in person or watching it online on a Sunday. He rose again, though that is very Christian is. There's a call For each and every Christian, no matter how old you might be or how young you might be, there is a call upon us, an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage this church, let's not forget that as followers of Jesus. Let's not forget that call. You have a call of God upon your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a call of God upon your life a call of God upon your life. And that call is intertwined with advancing the kingdom of God. That call is intertwined with advancing the kingdom of God. Man, there's so much of God's, uh, that God wants to do in our lives, but the main thing is to advance His kingdom. And the danger Especially over the last eight months, the danger is with so much change and upheaval and things being different and uncertainty and an unclear future that we might think that all those things have come across into our walk with God and our faith in Jesus. But can I say it hasn't? It hasn't. See, the call of God never changes. The mission stays The same, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, what does Jesus tell us? He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you think... You don't know what God's call is for your life. I meet many people. I don't know what God's call is for my life. I don't know what God's call is for my life. And yes, there may be specific calls that God gives every one of us. But can I tell you, if you've asked Jesus into your life, there is a universal call for every single one of us. There is a, a call that we are all meant to walk in. And that call is to make disciples about Jesus that call is to obey his commandments and yes it works itself out differently I'm not saying that the way that you do it is the way that I do it but that call is the same for each and every one of us so church just as I get started today I just want to remind us of our call in Christ Jesus we're here to see people come to know Jesus Christ we're here to see people who don't know God Come to know Him, to ask Jesus into their life, to be radically transformed, set free from their past, given a new life, be made a new creation person. We're here to obey God's scriptures, to read the Word and interpret it through His Holy Spirit. Not interpret it so that we can continue to live our lives the way we want to live it, but live it how God wants us to live our lives and to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be made righteous through our faith in Christ Jesus. And so I pray today that God awakens maybe some of us that are in a spiritual slumber. God, I pray that He would awaken. us. Holy Spirit maybe convicts some of us. Maybe we're living a life in a way that we know that Holy Spirit doesn't want us. I pray He convicts us. I pray that God moves mightily in us. And I pray that each and every one of us keeps at the forefront of our mind God's upward call in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's pray. God, we just thank you for this time together today. I thank you, Lord, that we, wow, how amazing, Lord, it is to be uh, known by you, to be loved by you so much that you sent your son, Jesus. I pray today that we would always keep in our minds the importance, the, the importance of the Great Commission to go into all the world. God, I thank you that these people here today, God, someone shared their faith with them. Whether it was a parent, whether it was a friend, whether it was a stranger, somewhere along the line, they were told about Jesus. They accepted Jesus into their lives, God. And so I thank you for that, God. Pray you bless our time together this morning and that we would have an awesome time. And God, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, turn to the person next to and say, I'm so glad that I'm back in church. Turn to the other person and say, man, this, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. We started a new series last week called Christmas Unwrapped. It's a series we do every year around about this time of Christmas. Who loves Christmas? Come on, some people here that love Christmas. Christmas is an awesome time of the year. I love Christmas, my favorite time of the year. But who's found that it's easy to get distracted at this time of the year too? we got Christmas functions at work. We've got presents we've got to buy. We have, uh, uh, you know, like di- dinners or lunches that we've got to organize on Christmas. We've got all these things that are happening and it can sometimes distract us, divert our attention away from Jesus. And so at this time, we just talk about how really we need to keep focused on Jesus. We need to make sure that we keep him at the forefront of our life so he's not in the background. You know how like, Around your Christmas tree, you might have presents, and there's sometimes there's presents. We don't want to do that with Jesus this year, hey? We don't want to forget about Jesus. We want to make sure he is right where he should be focused. So if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to jump onto the podcast. Uh, You can even watch the video on YouTube. Jump on there and do that. That would be really great today. Uh, We sang a song this morning called Waymaker, and I love that song. And, And the chorus goes like this. It says, You are... Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And I love those words. You are, way maker, promise keeper, light in the, you know, whatever it says, I've forgotten already. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And it's a great song. I love it. It talks about some of the characteristics of God. And can I encourage us today, church, you Got a hold of of those characteristics of God, His love, His peace, His righteousness, His healing, His your sanctification. Get a hold of those things. Grab a hold of those. Ask God to come over your life in those areas. It's so amazing. So I love that song talking about God's characteristics. But a couple of them can sometimes be a little bit harder to reconcile with the reality of our life. And they're a little bit more difficult than just singing them. Like, you know, Miracle Worker promise keeper and we might ask ourselves you know why is it that sometimes God is a little bit slow to bring the miracle that I'm believing in my life and we might ask ourselves why is it that some of the promises in God's word that I'm not seeing them come to pass in my life in the timing that I would like to see them has anyone ever said that has anyone ever thought that come on be honest today Well, I've thought that myself sometimes. And we can question, not that God's a miracle worker. I believe God's a miracle. Not that he's a promise keeper. But we can question the timing. It's like, now God, now. It's like, God, I just finished praying. It should happen now. I love what Peter has to say about this. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that today, but it'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, but you must not forget... This one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Even though God may sometimes seem slow to us, the reality is that God is always on time. He's on time. He's never late. He's never early. He's never just in time. You know, when I went to, when I went to university, just in time is, is this this concept where particularly around manufacturing and and selling goods where you where you just you have things arrive just in time so you don't have redundancy of stock sitting on sales. God's not just in time. God's always on time. He's on time. Christmas, a great example of God being. On time is the birth of Jesus. Not early, not late, on time, the birth of Jesus. And we look in the book of Hebrews, and there's Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of faith. And it talks about these men and women that were heroes of the Bible. And they called the heroes of the faith. It talks about all these great and mighty deeds that they did and all that they accomplished for God or for, His, for the nation of Israel and enemies they defeated or nations or whatever it might have been. And it talks about these things. And yet, it finishes in Hebrews 11.13 and it says this, They all died without seeing the promise. Without seeing the promise. The promise. And the promise is the birth of Jesus See, Jesus was prophesied about, he was spoken about, but these people missed it. They didn't see it. They didn't see this promise come to pass, Jesus Christ. And maybe today you're Jesus and you've never invited him or asked him into your life. And and today I want to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to do just that. And hopefully as I preach today, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. You're going to say to yourself, yeah, I want to know Jesus. I want to give my life to him. And invite him into my life. See, Jesus was the long-awaited promise. That's why we see when the angel Gabriel comes to make the announcement to Mary, he's so excited. And he says this in Luke 1, 26-38. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to the man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not, for you have found favour with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore The son to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The first thing that Mary says is, how will this be? Like the formation, this declaration, this prophecy says you're going to have a son. He's going to be the most high. He's going to be the son of God. But Mary says, how will this be? I don't know if you've ever asked that question. Maybe when you were younger, you would ask that question of mom or dad. Dad, how? Like, Mom, how is this going to work out? How is this going to happen? Or if you're a parent, you may have heard your children say that to you when, you're, when they were younger. How, Mom? How, Dad? Maybe your kids are like 40 years old and they're still saying, how, Mom? How, Dad? It's like, well, grow up, kids, you know. But anyway, you know, maybe it's, you know, how? And It's like, how? We ask that question, how? Think back again to when you were younger. For some of us, that's really easy. For some, for some of us, it's like a long, long time ago, so it might be difficult. But remember, how did your parents respond to you? It would just be, it'll work out. Don't worry. It'll work out. Maybe there were a few like be quiets and shushes and little less polite ways of saying it to you. But, you know, it'll work out. Don't worry. That's basically what worry. The Holy Spirit has got this. Just trust Him. Don't worry. It's all going to work out, Mary. It's going to be fine. And sometimes with God, it's as simple as that. We've got a big problem we face. We have a situation. We don't know how to fix it. We come before God. God, I want this situation, this circumstance that's happening in my life. Lord, I know you can fix it, but how, God? Like, how are you going to fix this thing? How are you going to make good from this thing? And God says, just trust me. I got it under control. Just trust the Holy Spirit. He knows what's going on. And that's it. That's as detailed as God's how was to Mary. That's as detailed as God's how is to us. So if you feel like, man, God's not giving me a lot of detail. God didn't give Mary a lot of detail either. You know, He just said, just trust me. It's going to happen. Raises the question, how much trust do we have in God when we say how? Maybe we need to stop saying, how are you going to do this? I know you can do it. I trust you, Lord. It's in your hands. The next thing that Mary says in verse 38, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I love it. Such a faith-filled statement. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Mary's saying, God, you know what? I just trust you. I just believe. However you decide to do it, whenever, whenever. Whatever, I'm just believing and holding on to this promise of this unborn child that is is going to be conceived in my womb. He is going to be the son of God. I just believe and trust in you. And I wonder how many of us say that to God. God, you know what? I just trust you fully. Whatever, whenever, however, I just trust you, Lord. Maybe today you're going through something in your life for relationship or finances or health or whatever it might be, something, God, maybe it should just be a, you know what, God? Behold, I am your servant. I trust you, Lord. However, whenever, whatever, I'm holding on to your promise. I think more often than not, instead of like being like Mary, we're kind of like Abraham, though. We all know Abraham from the Bible, father of faith. It's called the Father of Faith, but there were some moments where he didn't have as much faith as maybe he should have. See, God makes a promise to Abraham too in Genesis 15. God makes a promise to Abraham. At that time, he had no children. He says, "You know what, Abraham? I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the as the sand in the in the, in the beaches in the oceans." He says that in Genesis 15, and then in Genesis 16, and like it's only one chapter, but you know, I don't know how many years it was. But in Genesis 16, we see Abraham's like, okay, you know what? You're taking too long, God. Takes his uh, wife's uh, servant, Hagar, and sleeps with her and has. It's like, you know, promise one chapter, next chapter, I'm going to make this all happen. Genesis 17, he's now 100. God reminds him again of the promise. Get this. Abraham says to God, hey, you know what? Maybe just use Ishmael, God. Can we just make him the promise? Like, just use him. I know you said the promise will come from the womb of Sarah, but we got Ishmael here. Let's just use him instead. Finally, in Genesis 21, Isaac is born and the promise happens. See, Abraham is waiting for God's promise to come about, but he gets tired in the waiting. He gets tired in that season of waiting. And, like, like we got to realize most of life is waiting have you ever noticed that? Most of life is waiting. When you're young, you're waiting to get old. When you're older, you're waiting to retire. I'm waiting to retire. I'm only 43 and I'm just hanging out. No, no, no. I've got lots of life to live. Uh, you're waiting to retire. When you retire, you're just waiting to get young again. So wait. are you just waiting to get out of home then you get out of home and you're just like waiting for mom and dad to invite you over for dinner and come around and do your washing and slip $5, you know, or $50 into your, into your wallet, you know. You're just waiting. Life is waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Abraham gets tired of waiting and relying on God. He starts to try and make things happen in his own strength. And you know, we look at Abraham and we say, this guy, Abraham, it's a mirror image of us. We're exactly the same. We try to push and force things to happen we try to we know that God has spoke to an area of our life we believe there's a promise and we try to make it happen in our own strength in our own abilities in our own skills and all those things are great but not when we're supposed to be waiting for God to move in our lives here's the thing about promises promises are easy to hold on to when things look promising (laughs) ever notice that like when things are looking good it's, good. it's easy to have a smile on your face. It's easy to have a little dance in your step, you know. It's easy. When things are promising, it's easy to hold on to the promise. But a promise, past it's used by day, is a whole other story. Like, what do you do when you need a God to come through on Friday and it's now Monday? What do you do? What do you do when you know the, the, the temptation is coming and you need God to move and you, you need a miracle, you need a promise, but it doesn't seem like God is coming through. The temptation is for us to try and make it happen in our own strength. We go into this mode that I like to call Christian atheist mode. It's the mode where you believe in God's teachings and the moral uh, principles of God, but you don't actually put your faith in God to actually move in your life to help you to actually be with you. And the result is Abraham. The result is in, is Abraham doing things in his own strength. And if you look at the situation that happens there, it's a mess. Like 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 Isaac on his birth, then you got Ishmael and Hagar on the side. They're laughing at little Isaac, and they're laughing at Sarah. And you know, like Sarah gets so angry that she says, "Abraham, kick these people out. You know, just I don't care about you know." It's like it's this this, this scorn and envy and hatred in the family, it's a mess, I don't know if you've ever experienced it happen, <laughs> Dave's saying no, <laughs> you know when you're usually so forceful, it usually means there's something little in the background, you know, but you know, we, we make a mess, try to force something to happen, maybe you've never done that, but I've done that. My life can be like Abraham sometimes, and I find that when my life is full of conflict and striving, it's because I'm living like God doesn't exist. I'm not saying I'm living like I don't believe God is real, but I'm living like His promises, His ability to be a miracle worker, a promise keeper. I'm living as if that is maybe an an impossibility. And I say I believe in Him, but I'm doing everything in my own. Now, let me just say this, however. Let me just say this. You know, waiting on God doesn't mean that we do nothing, okay? It doesn't mean that we do nothing. You know, if you're waiting on God and you're believing for God to help you to find a job, it means that you get out there, you type up your CV, you hand it to some recruiters. You get on to Seek.com. You upload it to there. You do those things. When people call you back for a job interview, you rock up. You go along. You put on your nice clothes. You research the company. It means you do something. Like waiting on God doesn't mean doing nothing. Like it doesn't mean doing anything. Like God doesn't need the job, so so you're the one who needs the job. So do something. But yeah, wait. Trust in God to be with you. See, what it means is, is, is it means living in an attitude that as we go, as we work, as we live, we are living like there is a promise. The promise of God puts you into overdrive. See, God with me ignites me to dream bigger, to believe more, to know that God is with me. God, is the hope that I have, and it's not in my circumstances or situations or life or bank account or looks or intellect or career or prestige. It is in God Himself, and there are people here today, and you need to be reminded of this. God is for you. God is with you. God's beside you. He is the creator of the universe. He is the hope that you need. He is the hope for your life. All we have to do is believe in God. Him, if the kids could come today, that'd be great. There's many promises of God in the Bible, and there's so many. We, you know, we're not going to go through them, but I'll just outline a couple of them. There's the promises that He promises a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. We know that one. He promises to give us rest, Matthew 11, 28, 29. You know, all those who are weary, come to me, I'll give you rest. He talks about uh, to give power to the weak and strength to the powerless in Isaiah 40, Twenty-nine. He talks about He will supply all our needs in Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply glory in Christ Jesus. All these promises and so much more in the Bible. Don't wait for me to tell you what the promises are. Get your Bible, read it. You'll find the promises of God. They're in there, thousands of them. There's another big promise that God has given to all those who follow Him and call upon His name. It says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's big promise to us is, I am with you. I am with you. John Altberg, he says this, Central promise in the Bible is not, I will forgive you. Although, of course, that promise is there. It is not the promise of life after death, although we are offered that as well. The most frequent promise in the Bible is I will be with you. Someone needs to hear this today. God is with you. God is with you. Someone is today, you're not forsaken, you're not for, forgotten, you are loved, you are valued. He sees you, He knows you, He knows what you're going through, He knows what you've been through. He knows everything about you. The Bible says He knows how many hairs are on your head or how many hairs you don't have on your head. He knows everything about you. God is with you. Maybe today the proclamation from our mouth needs to be, God, you're with me. God, you're with me. I believe in my life. God, you're with me. I believe for my family, for my children, for my grandkids. God, I believe, Lord, for my parents. God, I believe for my life. You are with me. You are with me. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what the government says doesn't matter what's happening around the world the bible says if god is for me who can be against me you only need god you only need jesus the holy spirit if you have nothing you've had and let me tell you there have been men and women people of faith that believed in jesus christ that's all they have had And they still said, my life is rich and full because I know that I know that I know that God is for me. I think someone needs to give God some praise this morning. God, you're with us. You're for us. The promise of Jesus is this this same promise. The promise of a Messiah who will come. The promise of Jesus. This same promise. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall call His name Emmanuel. 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 There's a promise. The virgin will conceive a son. And the promise shall be called Emmanuel. If you don't know, that's one of the names of Jesus. Emmanuel, we're singing in different songs, I think in some Christmas, do you know what Emmanuel means? It's the name of Jesus, you know what it means? It means God with us, it means God with us. This is all the way back in Isaiah, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus come, hundreds and hundreds of years before God says, I'm no longer going to be a God. where well, you have to have, you know, you can only come and meet before me through a priest. You must have animal sacrifices. It's like back then, no, God wasn't really with you. He was really with the priest. He was in the tabernacle in Jerusalem. You couldn't have a personal relationship with God. But he says, Emmanuel is coming. God with us is coming. What a promise we have in God. He is with us. That's the message of Christmas. God is with us. It fulfills a promise that God made to the heroes of faith. They didn't see it. It fulfills a promise that the prophets of old talk about. They didn't see it. It fulfills a promise to the Virgin Mary who waited. for. for When's He coming? When's the the God most high? When's He coming? And then then He comes. Jesus steps into His ministry. Jesus is with us us and you know he's with us not just in a metaphorical metaphorical way he's not with us just in a phrase he's actually with us he's inside you he's with you if you invited Jesus he is with you he is with you today today as we finish this morning as I finish up you know maybe maybe 2020 wasn't the biggest years for hopes and dreams and you know all that kind of stuff but can I just tell you something regardless of what 2020 looks like. And yeah, sure, let's, let's be real. It happened, you know, crazy. But let me just remind you, the angel's announcement to Mary is an announcement of hope for all of us. It's an announcement of hope for all of us. And I want us to realize, I want us to realize that in the Bible, that announcement of hope, it doesn't just stay sitting there 2,000 years ago. God's life it's it's truth for today as well So that an announcement of hope for Mary is an announcement of hope for our lives and what you're going through today is but when God can become tomorrow's behold just because it's been a long time doesn't mean it's too late God is always on time come on let's bow our heads let's pray Lord God I just pray Jesus today You're always on time. God, your promises.